makes you such a threat? We choose the right to be who we are. We know the difference between the reality of freedom and the illusion of freedom. There's a way to live with Earth and a way not to live with Earth. We choose the way of Earth. It's about power. Greetings and good day and welcome, my relatives. I shake your hands with good feelings in my heart and the whole world is a beautiful day and it's a good day for all of us to be here. Let your voice be heard. Let the people's voice be heard. Respectfully celebrate life. And this is First Voices Radio, and I send you greetings and strength from the east gate of Turtle Island, where the sun and the water touch the, the earth at once. And I'm your host, Teokas and Ghost Horse. And this is an all-native hosted, all-native produced First Voices Radio now in its 28th year broadcasting. And Liz Hill is First Voices Radio's outstanding producer. And you can now hear us on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Buzzsprout, Spotify, as well as First Voices IndigenousRadio.org. And you can hear us internationally on Savizar Contemporary in Berlin and Potsdam, Germany. And uh, our first guest, I'm going to go right to this, is Mayor Pedro Emmons Pao is P-A-O-A is one of the most important indigenous leaders in Chile and the son of a prominent Rapanui politician. He lived in the United States for many years. And in 1990, Mayor Pao has been a figure since 1990. Excuse me, that's important. Since 1990, Mayor Pao has been a key figure in the life of the island 
in his government program was to, was called Plan Amor, and given its co- its uh, coincidences within a 2030 agenda of the United Nations, it was chosen as a mirror territory for the organization. And with the outbreak of COVID-19 pandemic, May- Mayor Pedro Emmons Paoa decided to close Rapa Nui to tourism and invoke the tapu, which is an ancestral call to order and unrestricted, unrestricted uh, respect for the orders of the authority. And thanks to that decision, the, the, the advance of the coronavirus was stopped. And uh, there was only three cases detected. And uh, the formula for, attack, formula for attacking the virus has been applauded around the world. And his style has been uh, placed placed him as one of the most credible politicians in Chile. And so with this, uh, um, for the first time, he managed to unite indigenous mayors in, asso- in an association. And the word of the mayor, Pao, is respected in Rapa Nui, and he's preparing to go to a new term as mayor. And what I'd like to say that, yes, I did interview Mayor Pao, and uh, this is that interview coming up. And uh, what we'd like to do is understand that, you know, at the end of this, is actually some time to contemplate with the act, act, the actions that come from ancient knowledge that are put into the future as to what is next. And this is my my thoughts, is that they are already prepared for the future. Whatever comes next is that the old knowledge, the old intelligence, the old wisdom is in place. Their experience is in place to deal with what's to come. And that may be around the corner. Who knows? But this is in conversation. We'll catch up with Mayor Pedro Pao in in this interview. Stay tuned with us and uh, we'll be right we'll be right we'll be right with you as we continue on First Voices Radio. Hello, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I wanted to just send you greetings from this part of the world, from my people, the Lakota people. I'm in New York, upstate New York. You are in the, uh, in, you guys are in the eye of the world today. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's right. So I've always been interested, not in such a romantic way about Easter Island, as they call it, but Pedro, is there, um, can you give us a background, the one that your people began with before, before the Western world came in? Yes. Well, uh, it's nice to talk to you, Theo Cassi. Nice talking to you. Uh, uh, I can uh, think that you are from a First Nation as well yes. as us. Good uh, talking to you, brother. We exist as Chileans since 1888. And since a treaty 132 years ago with Chile. And uh, since then, our king uh, claimed and asked for uh, a protectorate country. Because um, up to that time, the island was very vulnerable uh, because of um, a pirate's attack, uh, endangered by other countries taking people off the island as well as other islands in the Pacific, to be trade uh, as slaves in South America. And so with that bad part of the history, we, we became Chilean through this um, treaty uh, between our king and the Chilean representative. So that was 132 years ago. That's how we became Chilean. And now that we are Chilean, 
Well, we're trying, we've, we've been trying since then to uh, make uh, the different Chilean governments understand that the treaty that was signed, it, it, uh, it gave us a certain status in the, in the citizenship and in the uh, relation with Chile, a uh, very special, uh, the, uh, of a very special matter. Since then, we haven't had any echo or any approach from any government to come about and recognize that treaty. And that's the situation we're uh, dealing with right now. So Pedro, when the COVID crisis happened, I like to call it crisis because we, as uh, people, as humans, didn't know what to, we didn't know what to do, how to react to something that was so new and so deadly in, in a lot of places. But yet we as indigenous peoples, I feel this had reacted very much differently than the rest of the, the, the populace in the Western world. Very much correct. I take uh, this uh, world crisis as, um, as like uh, having a coin in our hand. When you throw a coin in the air, you don't know if it comes a face or no face. So you, you, you have a risk because you don't know. But when you take the coin away, what we have is uncertainty. We don't know. That's the situation that we all are coping with, we are living with. Uh, therefore, it's a, a very dark horizon. Well, that's the reality we got. And since that reality came to us at the beginning of March of this year, and after following the, the genesis of this uh, crisis in uh, Wuhan, uh, China, in November, December last year, I've been aware of, of what's going on in our area because we live uh, of tourism, therefore we need to be aware what's going on constantly. And so by the 16th of November last year, I came to, to be aware of this uh, uh, virus that was gesturing in Wuhan, China. And by the middle of December, uh, we started to get worried what's, what's going on with that. And finally, when that came to us uh, in the island, uh, at the beginning of March, I asked the government to close the island. And uh, of course the government didn't want to close the island. They, they said that it's something minor, we will watch and we will see. And, uh, and since I, 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 was, I was very much advanced in, in, in the knowledge of, about, of this virus, I decided to go directly to the airline, which is a private airline, and I said, stop flying to the island. And of course the airline talked to me and they say, well, you, who are you to stop me? And I say, you see and watch. 
you stop right now or you won't have your plane back to the mainland because we're going to, well, with that uh, threat, and I, we don't like to threat anybody, but who we are to threat anybody. But when, when it comes to health, you tend to, to grab anything to defend yourself, in my case, my people. So I had to threat the airline to stop flying. And uh, luckily for me and for the island, they accepted the threat. So they stopped flying the 16th of March. And since then, we don't have any economy. We don't have tourism. We're zero. So what we did, my, my dear brother, Theo Cassin, what we did is invoke the ancestry way of dealing with conflicts. And uh, immediately we call for tapu. Tapu is an ancestor way of a sacred order of uh, protect yourself, protect your, 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 your dear ones and protect the others. And, and respect of over anything respect uh, the situation, in this case, health. So by calling Tapu, everyone in the island went to their home. Everyone started to get into internet and learn what to do because we didn't get any instruction from anybody. We learned how to do it. And with a Tapu at front, we follow uh, obediently the instructions uh, from, from all of us. Uh, the first thing we protected, because as you well know, in, in us as a First Nation, we protect the wisdom. We protect the knowledge. And the wisdom and the knowledge are in the old people. So immediately we protect our old people from anybody, including their own children, to be in contact. And we created a breach of uh, medical, psychological, medical, medical, in MD in general, food assistance, um, so that they don't lack of any need uh, while we wait, while we are in this process of TAPU. Uh, and we've been in TAPU since then. Uh, with, the, uh, with the time goes by, we add other ancient concepts like umanga. Umanga means I'll give you a hand, you give me yours. If you have more than I, you give me some and we both share. And so we apply umanga because we knew that if you close tourism, you close economy. So we need to survive. So we are in a survival status. That's how we did it, and that's how we are right now. We're all in Umana. And from where I am, we created different breaches, psychological breaches, because of the, of the close, being closed in. Uh, oh, the other thing we did, thanks to closing the island, we said, okay, our children must go back to school for two reasons. One, is to acquire the knowledge, of course, but mainly is to free their mind from being 
prison at home. And so it was the best solution because their parents, their family could free to, uh, to do other things in their homes, to share moments, which is very important to acknowledge about this crisis and the COVID. Share moments is what uh, COVID has come to bring us all. And so with that, we created a bridge of food. We created in our organization knowledges, people that know how to uh, raise food in their own patio, in their own home. And so we started with one house and now we're, we're probably close the island with 500 homes with uh, creating their own natural food. Um, so that was marvelous, that was fantastic. What we did, we imported seeds, we, we brought in the knowledges, the, the teachers created a labor, we created a, our own labor with Umaga, and so we had a team that goes home through home teaching how to create your own food, how to be sustainable, how to circulate what you have. And you have, and if you create more than enough for you and you don't know what to do with the rest, share it with, the, with your neighbor. And that's how we've been doing it in many aspects. Um, that is working fantastic. This medicine that I'm feeling you're describing, when it comes to this new constitution that you are involved with, along with the other First Nations, the Mapuche, the rest of them that are on the mainland of South America. Um, what, what do you look forward to um, with this new constitution, the ability to maybe have more input from the First Nation mind, the medicine that you describe, and learning how to work together to form this new constitution out of Chile? Absolutely. Well, what a reasonable uh, uh, question. What uh, what we're our purpose of uh, of getting into that new constitution or participating in it in the future is first of all for the constitution of the new republic and that's how I call it the new republic of Chile to recognize that we 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 participate as a Chilean territory through a covenant through a treaty so. By recognizing the treaty, uh, for us, is the base to construct any future relation, economical, political, geopolitical, cultural relation. But also, we have a very valuable input as a culture, as a millenarian culture. We can bring in experiences, like I have explained, about how you cope with a crisis and being in, being in peace, being with a smile in your face. I mean, you don't have to take the smile off your face. You don't have to be sad. You don't have to be worried because the ancient, our ancient learned, knew how to cope with emergency, knew how to confront a crisis. And we brought that concept in and everyone understood and everyone is working with it. That to me is something very valuable for the new Republic 
in, in is a value that we First Nation have in our DNA that we could propose, that we can share. And I, I can't imagine how much more value uh, will have the other First Nations that Chile has. I think to me, the new Republic of Chile should consider the First Nation as the, the platform, the base, untangible platform and base to construct the new Republic, uh, showing the world that uh, Chile has an identity. Today, Chile doesn't have an identity. Any, any Chilean that goes around the world, they ask, uh, 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 where are you from? Ah, from Chile. Uh, what is that? Well, we sell wine, we have salmon, and uh, also we have a copper mine. That's not identity. So that is a mine that we need to uh, live in the past and create the new holistic mind, the new cosmopolitan mind, the new vision of a new country, of a new republic, by considering the First Nations as the base of the identity of a country. <clears throat> That's our identity. It couldn't be the identity of a country like uh, at one time, I don't know if you heard that, but I heard it when I was a kid, uh, like product from Taiwan, made in Taiwan. We can't, we can't continue being a republic with a concept of made in Taiwan or right. made in Chile. We, we, we need to change that. Just a few minutes we have left, Pedro. I know the Rapa Nui are our cousins or family with uh, Kanaka Maoli and the uh, Maori people. And, you know, I think of that broad sale, so to speak, that's the whole construction of, of what you're talking about, bringing that First Nations value concepts even to be involved with the land, but also with that new constitution. So what you're talking about to me is very sacred and old and ancient knowledge. So I wanted to say that and... Um, would you give us some thoughts about how indigenous peoples worldwide, including your people and, and the ones in New Zealand and Hawaii, how that could be incorporated into even our conceptual thoughts of the Western world? Yeah, well, we need to incorporate that. We are very valuable First Nation that is in, under the Chilean territory. This is, that is a tremendous value. Why I said that? Because if that is considered as, uh, as an input to the new republic, we can incorporate the value that has our brother in, in, uh, in Hawaii, in the islands, in the archipelago of Hawaii, in, uh, in the islands, in, in the countries of New Zealand. And in between the two us, that makes the triangle, many other islands that can bring, on, bring in tremendous value, value of how we confront from, from, for thousands of years uh, situations. And, uh, and we, can, we can bring that back into, like, like the old uh, wisdomers say, nothing new under the sun. That's right. Everything goes around it back. We First Nation are the guarantee 
for the future civilization because we made the mistakes. We have the knowledge of the mistakes. So our children cannot make it again. I think that is the input I can share uh, in a new constitution, in a new relation with a new country. Very beautiful, Pedro. Thank you. We may we may sign off here, but I want to thank you for this honor to to be to talk with you, maybe in the future too. But I really uh, enjoyed this. Thank you so much, Pedro. Hope to see you sometime, uh, my dear brother. Uh, yes, yes, for sure. Salute from Rabadoui. But thank you. It's an honor to be with you here, and take care. Thank you. So good. Thank you. Bye. Bye. And that was Mayor Pedro Edmonds Pao of the, of the, as an indigenous leader in Chile of the Rapa Nui Nation. He lived in the United States for many years and he brought to you how and what the people did, the Rapa Nui, the traditional people of that island called Easter Island, and how they took care of, of this threat called coronavirus or the COVID-19. And I'm very thankful for, thankful for being able to even talk with Mayor. I know he has a, ske- a schedule and the, the people keep him busy. But to invoke the tapu and, and follow it through with Umanga. And so I'd like to say that and I'd like to someday talk to him again. <laughs> What's going on in the world is really need to be, needs to be heard by indigenous peoples. What we do when the world is at large upon us. So I'd like to say that. Thank, thanks again to Mayor Pao.
And that's Dark Days by Local Natives. It's off the album Sunlit Youth, talking about actually what's going on in the dark days of now, uh, politically everywhere around the world. So you have to listen to the words to that. Um, our next guest, you know, is a longtime friend and colleague is Manuel Rosenthal. You know, in in Chile, in, we... we, we uh, Inferred with uh, Mayor Pao in our last first half hour is that there was a new referendum in Chile this past, uh, it was in October actually, and the people of that country decided to, by a landslide, 80% of those who voted to give themselves a new constitution and thereby drastically redefining the way they wish to be governed and to change its founding document here in America, even here in America, we have to pay close attention to what just happened in that distant land at the end of the earth. Uh, and so those of you may, who may hear this program, uh, First Voices Radio, and myself, Teokas and Ghost Horse, Manuel Rosenthal, who we, we will hear, heartened and, heartened and he inspired a lot of people, you know, um, excuse me, not he, but what the people as myself were inspired by what happened in Chile. Actually, the, the people themselves came through with that experience and to re, redefine themselves as the backbone, uh, as indigenous as the backbone of that country. So without further any more ado, <laughs> I'm going to just go ahead and play this, this interview I did with Manuel Rosenthal. And it's very interesting. Just listen up, folks, because you'll, you'll hear much more than you, than you thought possible about another country, which is also uh, redefining their way to live with the earth. And how they are looking to, like you would say, the referendum, actually having more participation in the new constitution in order to, yes. to open the indigenous eyes in everybody. Right? Yes. So I think that that is the crux of what we need to talk about, but also we need to the interrelationship between Colombia, Ecuador, Chile, all of that, because to me, that's one and the same uh, mindset or soul set, I would say, especially yeah. with Mor Morales getting back into at least his party. Yes, back yes. where he it belongs. So, well, no, it's it, these are these are crucial times, and it, you know, it something I learned when when I had the privilege of living in northern Saskatchewan with the Cree people and Dene years ago, and. As you know, alcoholism was and is a major problem. And what they taught me was, if one doesn't look at oneself critically, then one makes mistakes. And one of my friends there, a turning robe, he used to tell me all the time, you have to be more careful with success than with failure, because success is a trap. We, if we haven't learned that from our history and the conqueror, we've learned nothing. So why do I say this in, in, with regards to what's going on in Latin America now and in the U.S.? I mean, Biden was elected and Trump is off and there's enthusiasm and there has to be. I mean, nobody can take away the joy from the people, but then one has to be careful. I don't know. Uh, so this is. This is the point, and this comes from uh, speaking and discussing with many people in Chile and also at the Walmapu, the Mapuche territory. 
And there are so many different perspectives on this referendum and the plebiscite and its result that, that it would be great for people to understand this context. I will try to con convey their voices through mine. Uh, and, and then, of course, uh, the, my opinion, of course, will be there, but I, I'll, I'll say this from them. Some of them, uh, and most of them, grew up during the dictatorship, Pinochet, and they had, to, they had to live through that. The dictatorship never ended. It never ended. And one of the reasons it never ended was the Constitution. He agreed to uh, remove himself from power through a plebiscite, uh, like now, only if the constitution was left in place untouched. So when they won that referendum, when they won that plebiscite and he left, there was joy. After that came more than 30 years of absolutely the same, absolutely the same. The faces changed, the discourse changed, but it was the same. It was neoliberal extractivism, and for the Mapuche, it was horrendous. It was the terrorist legislation, it was invasion, it was delivery of the territory to transnational corporations, it was hatred, racism, and that didn't change throughout the years of so-called democracy. Now, people began to believe if we change the constitution, Pinochet will be gone. It will be the end of Pinochet. And then the uprising happened last year when everybody thought Chile was the happiest place in Latin America and the most successful example. Uh, and it was the only absolutely successful example of the Chicago boys, the economists that, I mean, neoliberalism landed in Latin America on the boots of General Pinochet, and then was grounded through the helicopters of Plan Colombia. That's what Hector Mondragon taught us years ago, and it's the absolute truth. So they wanted to maintain the neoliberal success throughout the democratic years. So, uh, I mean, it was hell. People were depressed, the inequalities were horrendous, but if you measured numbers, everything was great because it was the success of the neoliberal and the success of the conqueror. In that context, the Mapuche became the moral force, the spiritual force of resistance, and the mirror upon which the rest of Chile looked at itself. Those who hated them because they were doing good, uh, feared them and attacked them more. And those who started saying they're doing the same to them that they've been doing to us. So they started lifting the Mapuche flag more and more and more. And then we all saw it. Last October, when the uprising burst out from these high school kids, it was the Mapuche flag that, that flew throughout Chile. For the first time, Chilean people and uh, people from the Walmapu were the same people. It was the first time it happened. Now, the repression was horrendous. 
but the Chilean people recognize this is what they've been doing to the Mapuche all along. We can only understand what's going on if we listen to them, their history. So a relationship began, but then the, the repression came and then the pandemic came and they closed up everything. The persecution against the Mapuche became a lot worse during the pandemic. Jailed prisoners, hunger strike that we talked about with you before, and the, the situation became much worse and nothing changed. So there was an opening, a crack in the wall, and the crack in the wall was a new constitution, knocked down Pinochet's constitution. But here's the, the fear, the division, the trap. Uh, is it going to be a brand new country with a brand new constitution developed by and from the people, the majorities who were out on the streets and the Mapuche? Or is it going to be based on the same framework and then some changes that will actually not be able to change everything? That depends a great deal on the election of the members of the Constitutional Assembly, which will take place next February. Now, we know one of the most awful speakers of the right in Chile, smart and terrible, is Mr. Longueira, a member of parliament for many years. And he came out before the plebiscite warning Chilean people that nothing would change and they had nothing to fear. He was referring to the wealthy the beneficiaries of this constitution. And he told them, there's a video of this. this. This is out in the open. He told them, all we need is to win a third of the seats, one third of the seats of the Constitutional Assembly. If we win one third of the seats, we can veto anything. And if we veto anything, we will have, they will have an obligation to maintain the main framework of the Pinochet constitution. Now, people knowing this were brought into the plebiscite saying, obviously we approve a new constitution. A friend of ours from the border between the Walmapu and Chile, a good friend told us this, when I walked into the voting box and I held in my hand the vote, and I marked there, I approve a new constitution. I can't, I can't not tell you that even though I know all the tricks and the traps, I cried because there were so many murdered, so many disappeared and no hope at all. And this brings hope. We have hope that some, there's a new beginning, there's a crack in the wall. At the same time, there are others who say, in the Walmapu territory, mostly elderly women, wise women who say, we don't want to participate in the plebiscite. We will vote, approve, but we don't believe in that at all because self-determination is not defined in the constitution of an invading state, of a conqueror state. So we will work our land, we will continue with our struggle, and we will not believe in this process. So there's the spectrum. So when you talk in Latin America now and you say, we all have to be joyful about the result of the plebiscite, 
At the same time, you know that the far right and the invader has developed a mechanism to channel the energy of the indigenous people and the people of Chile into a mechanism of the state. So that's the situation now. And in February, if they gather a third, we know what they'll do. That, that's my, my word about Chile. Well, I'm understanding like the public site that you're talking about is that, is there any other choice besides what they're offering you? Like in the United States, it's Democrat and Republican. And yet it's supposed to be the opinion of the people in a sense, but that opinion is wrapped up in whether or not that particular politician expresses what truly the people are saying. Is that what you're saying? Is that, how close is that? Absolutely, exactly, and, and that's the challenge. So look, you've said it perfectly. The people in Bolivia, for example, that we know, that we trust, women's organizations, indigenous peoples, etc. they say we voted against the coup. We voted against the racists and the fascists, but we did not vote for Evo, and we do not want that state. And so they say that clearly. So mm -hmm. uh, then that, and then I, I, I'd say the same in the U.S. Mm -hmm. But there are many, many people whose hope takes them over. And they, they just want to believe Biden will change everything. Uh, the mass in power will change everything. And the plebiscite is the answer. It is now when people have to go out to the streets and to understand clearly their own agenda, because that's what they're trying to steal from everybody. You wow. are absolutely right. Yeah, and then when I understand it, that uh, freely <clears throat> Native people are invited, if not coerced, into in voting for a system that will remain the same. It really doesn't change anything for Native people, because the system is an extractive system. Uh, I could say in another way, it, it's a war against the earth. And we're making a, a nice war against the earth. And yet <clears throat> there are indigenous peoples that have been led astray thinking that the answer is America. And to go back to the drawing board, again, see, we have democracy. We just keep going with the way that we've been going along. We'll get there someday. And that's the, the I guess, the achievement of hope. Hope has given them so much that it's just in the giveaway power. It's a wishful state. So when we when we get to the practicality of changing the constitution here, it's not it's not going to change because of that that as you say plebiscite. But I'm thinking that if if I don't vote because I know the real story that the system will be still in place, you know, and yet that is small minute minority as I call it who say that we're we are. Well, they can say that we are heretics we of, of democracy, that we don't believe in that way, because it's the truth. There was also a an earth democracy, so to speak, before the Western blueprint came, the back to the drawing board mentality, that everything is new. We have to cre keep creating something new when the old system of the earth democracy has been in place thousands of years before they ever got here. Yes. You see? Yes, that's the way. That's the way we see. It. Like we have, we gather uh, with 
indigenous elders, people from throughout this continent, Abya Yala and the Turtle Island, we do constantly. Last Sunday with people from Molle Turo, Rio Blanco in Ecuador, and they have been resisting mining corporations. Somebody from there is an indigenous friend of ours, Jacob Perez, is now a presidential candidate, and he has a big chance to win. And he fought against mining corporations. He was a leader of that. People from his own community now are so clear about the fact that even if he wins, we could be worse off. Mm. Because the real struggle, maybe I'll try to put it this way, but you did already, but I'll try to say it this way. There's a spectrum within the state, within domination. And that spectrum goes from the fascist mafia, uh, I don't need to name names, racist fascist mafia, to the other, the progressive liberal uh, left speech. uh, And you can say one is better than the other, but both turn Mother Earth into merchandise. Yes. Both do. And people into labor. That's it. So that is all the same. Yeah. All the same, with a kind face or with bullets, but it's all the same. In fact, the ones with a kind uh, face resort to bullets always. Otherwise, their own contradictions would knock them off. I mean, you have the experience in the US, for example, Jimmy Carter speaking about human rights. Well, if then the war in El Salvador blew and then he, the, the beginning of hell started there and so on. So this is what's happening. But what's on the other side? It's not trying to win elections to get in there. Mm-hmm. It is autonomy with Mother Earth. Yes. It is weaving its ancestral millennial Earth democracy. And people say, oh, but you can't go back to the past. No, that's the only future we can have. Yeah. We, the past is what we're suffering through now. So in that regard, my question is, without an easy answer, should we not take part in a plebiscite or in an election to remove the worst? I think, I think we, it's, that is a tactical question, mm-hmm. but not an essential question. Of course, you Go and you vote to to kick that one off. But that doesn't mean you trust that system. So there we're learning from the Mapuche elders, the women, and they're saying, I will stay in my orchard. I will maintain my language. I will teach my children. And I will look after our autonomy here because it will never be in their laws. And if it is in their laws, it's a lie. That is so, so great. That the, the autonomy that you talk about, Manuel, um, when I was thinking about you mentioned Mr. Longueta, 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 yes, Longueta, who's speaking for a very, you know, to try to control the amount, anything to the veto. Um, but we have till next February, where in the United States we have till January 20th, right? What transpires between now until that time in in uh, in uh, Chile, uh, even in other countries uh, in South America, yeah. is what, what what transpires between now and then? Do we see more t- 
turmoil where the United States, the, the present administration will not leave. And it's like it's like reading or watching a and from this perspective, we're watching a political movie where all the uprisings and rebellions happen in South America. But now South America is seeing the United States go through the very same thing that is caused from the same system of control. Yes. Well, no, that's a very, very interesting question and something we're reflecting on. There is every possibility. I, I read a piece by, uh, uh, no, I can't remember the name, but These Times on that media, These Times, mm. it, there's a piece on Mr. Meeks, who is a, a Democrat, a member of Congress, I think from New York, if I'm not wrong. We know that guy. We know he used the Black Caucus to get the uh, free trade agreement with Colombia approved. He's a friend of Alvaro Uribe, our equivalent or worse to Donald Trump. And he's most, he's so close to Biden that he's likely going to become the chair of the Foreign Affairs uh, Committee or however it's called in Parliament. So, not only nothing will change, it will be worse if Mr. Mix gets in. And he's, a, he's, he's an Afro-American. And he used that to... Ay, ay, ay. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. And he used that to, to actually manipulate the Afro-Colombian people into accepting the, the free trade agreement. He lied to them. He actually told them, I'll visit Colombia and I will help you. And then what he told them was, well, we'll get a light free trade agreement. And so you'll get your part. They'll get theirs. And it's a compromise. Liar. Then uh, Mr. Biden himself in Congress supported Plan Colombia. So that gives you an idea. Now, that's exactly what we should do in the next few months. Watch very carefully in Chile in Colombia, in Ecuador, in, in Bolivia, what the policies actually are, what the gestures are, and then watch them from the autonomy, from the, the earth democracy, and then use that as a reference. So uh, we are in fear that mm -hmm. even here, if you see the, the, the papers, the newscasts, everything, Everything is promoted as with Biden, everything changed. There will be peace here, no support for a fascist government. And there is absolutely no support for that. There's no evidence that supports that. So, so I think this, this time is crucial. Wow, it is, it is. I want to sort of end this interview, Manuel Rosenthal, with uh, your starting your statement said, one has to be more careful with success than with failure. So here it's, it's that the Americans are in a sense of relief. They took a big breath. Oh, we came close to death, so to speak. And, and now they're, they're like, now we got to, you know, everything's going to be okay again. It feels like it's normal again, but the earth hasn't changed. It's continuing to do what it's doing, but we aren't in rhythm with that anymore. We think that because we have voted the, the right winner, that this winner is going to take care of things, such as the problem in South America. You see, so we're giving it all up again, but it's done in a nicer, as you would say, more of a neoliberalist fashion. But yet there is also the ideas of, of 
the dictatorship behind that. We hear the sounds of the dictator, the 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 the, the uh, jackboots, so to speak, pounding earth. Yes. And and indigenous mm -hmm. peoples, because we are of the earth, we know what that sounds like. There are other people who think that the marching of success, the marching of democracy, if we just keep going the same way, because they, these people don't know another way. They have forgotten their, so their their uh, contemplations, their peace with the earth, so to speak, and they continue to bring progress, the blueprints, the back to the drawing board mentality that it's a new country, it's a new world, it's another Columbusizing of everything again. Yes, you're absolutely right. And then nothing breaks people up more than another deception, another failure. And so when we warn about, about getting carried away by that hope of the success, we're not against the feeling of we managed to get rid of something awful. That's not what we're saying. What we're saying is, yes, that awful part is out, but the system is in place, and it's only us with Mother Earth together, caring for each other, that will change this. It will not change from above. It never did. It never will. That's it. That's that's the feeling. So as part of our seeing, I wouldn't say success, but seeing what the failures are in the past so that we don't make the same mistakes in the future, is is that another kind of success? Or should we watch out for that kind of success? Yes, you, you know, we learned here throughout the Mingas and mobilizations and resistance and looking back at the history of, of the NASA people and other peoples in this continent, where we have become strong, always has been when we recognize our contradiction. That's when we're strong. So whenever we're successful in a mobilization, in a struggle, whenever we're successful, that's when wisdom calls for us to stop and look at the risks. It is then that it is more important than ever before. Mm. So imagine that now in the US, all these people that feel they can breathe they turn around to look at each other and not at the government to begin a new country and then to develop their own agendas, diverse, colorful, and not wait for those in power to again deliver the same agenda to them and then again failure and sadness. So that's it. If we did that, I am certain, we know it now, the nation states are failing the nation of nations that this world has to be is about to, is able to overcome these 500 years of oppression and destruction. We can, but it's a mentality that we have to overcome. We have to know it's in us. We don't need a healthcare system from the state. We don't need security from the police. We don't need an army from the state. We don't need anything. We can build it ourselves with Mother Earth and following her example. The Zapatistas are doing it. Cheran has done it. Walmapo knows how to do it. We can do it. And, and, and it's, it's the time is demanding us. Mother Earth is demanding that we do it now because there's little time left. Oh, such good, good words. And I, and I take those to, to heart and from the heart I've, I've formed those concepts, if you, if you will in order to, to free the old concepts of tethering to that old system. So she has, has, we get in rhythm with the earth, 
then we, we truly know that we are neither followers or leaders, but we're walking with the earth. And that that's seeing our power, I guess, is sort of, so to speak. But it's a very good honor to have you, and Manuel. I'll, I'll tell you what I'm hearing now. Your flute, your flute is, doesn't need any of these words. Good. Doesn't good. need any of these explanations. Yeah. It comes from there, it flies through us, and it shows us the way. That's I thank good. you. Thanks. Thank you, friend. Without the light Oh, the darkness comes Hold through the night Shadows will run mm-hmm. Fend off the enemy Sing out the jubilee With all the fire we can breathe We're singing all day And you can't tame it High tide, low tide You know night time The morning time yeah. We're going strong, heading up down the river. Oh, Lord, I feel the reveling. I feel a change on the rise. Mm-hmm. What good's a man who's lost his soul? Can't take a stand mm, when his flame's gone cold. Mm, fend off the enemy, sing out the jubilee with all the fire we can breathe. We're singing all day, and you can't take.